Hello, uh, and welcome to Hockey This Fortnite uh, on the Oil Rig Radio. Uh, my name is Megan, and I'm here with Avery, and Steve is somewhere in the ether, and he may or may not be joining us this morning, uh, but we had to get started. So here we are. Um, Avery, tell us who you are. Who am I? Well, as always, I am your mom's favorite podcaster. You can find my work on Avery Sports Show, SI, Hockey News, Yahoo Sports, if they're intermission. I am everywhere at all in, in, at the same time. Um, well, that's terrifying. Um, uh, my name is Megan, and you can find me on Twitter if you want. I don't know why you'd want to, so don't. Please don't. Um, I sometimes talk about hockey, mostly not. Uh, I teach high school, and it's the busiest month maybe of my life, it feels like right now. So, uh, yeah, we're just going to talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs and some things that are happening out in the world. We just had a nice long off-air conversation about the Heritage Classic, so we'll probably talk a little bit about the jerseys and why people are mad about what they may or may not look like, even though we don't actually know yet. Um, and I'm going to teach Avery how to count. Wow. Is what I'm going to do. Um, I'll explain later. So, uh, Stanley Cup Finals actually started last night. Today is Sunday. We were not able to record before uh, Game 1, unfortunately, and that's okay. Um, but I just want to give us a quick recap of what we decided for uh, Round 3. Uh, not a single one of us picked the Florida Panthers to win that round. Uh, Steve said Carolina in 5, and Avery and I both said Carolina in 6. Avery, where did we go wrong? Uh, I think we didn't account for Matthew Kachuk going supernova in that series. Three series winners in the four-game sweep. He was someone that Carolina just couldn't couldn't find a way to have an answer for. And also, Sergei Bobrovsky once again had a phenomenal postseason series. Bobrovsky is having a one heck of a postseason, and those are two things that Carolina couldn't uh, couldn't control. Yeah, it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty remarkable, actually. Um, to watch like and you know what people made fun of rod brindamore uh for saying like you know we didn't really lose those games i don't disagree with him um like th there was no blowout games in that series there was nothing nobody won anything like seven to one like there was nothing like that in that series and all four of those games could have gone carolina's way quite easily like bobrovsky was playing absolutely out of his mind uh, and then yeah matthew kuchuk just like all of a sudden became the best player in the nhl um overnight uh, and not that he wasn't good before but yeah like I, so i i read a lot of stuff where people were like oh rod blah 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 blah. I was like, no 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 he's not wrong here i think the hurricanes in every single game i don't think there was a game that they were out of at any point in time in that series they just couldn't put pucks past bobrovsky no exactly you're right Megan. it wasn't yeah there wasn't a 7-1 game or a 9-2 game the hurricanes could have won this series it was a very you know you know yes they were swept it was as close as a four-game sweep really could be. It really was. And and like, you know, you look at you look at that and you look at the scores in those games. Like if the Canes score like six more goals in the right spots, they win those four games. Like, and that's really how close it was. That's one of those things where where when you're looking at hockey being kind of unpredictable, this is really very I don't want to say that Florida was like entirely lucky. I think they're a pretty good team, but they also got pretty lucky. That, that two things, that Matthew Kuchuk going supernova and Sergei Bobrovsky being like, oh, by the way, I'm actually Dominic Hasek in disguise, um, happened <laughs> at the same time, right? If those things happen, one happens in round two and one happens in round three, they probably don't sweep. They probably don't win uh, round two, four, one, and they don't sweep uh, this round, right? Like, that's just not 
how that was going to go. So I think, yeah, I don't know. It was uh, it was fun to watch. I actually really enjoyed watching all the games in the series. I think I saw three of the four, um, and I really enjoyed watching all of them. I thought they were quite a lot of fun to watch, and I really super enjoyed watching uh, Matthew Kachuk do the thing, and I also really enjoyed watching people be mad about Matthew Kachuk doing the thing. You know, I enjoy watching him, and I know people. it's funny because towards the end of his tenure in Calgary, it was clear his time there in the flame was coming to an end, but him not forward, it's funny because he's now becoming one of the bigger faces of hockey in America. Mm-hmm. You're seeing him everywhere now. You're seeing people interviewing him. You're seeing him on NBA on TNT. I love the, I love the fact that he is now becoming that near top American face in the game now in Florida. Well, and it's not just that he's becoming like, so here's the thing. You know, we talk about Connor McDavid is like, you know, the best player in the NHL. We got Leon Dreisaitl or whatever. Unfortunately for the NHL, uh, Connor and Leon play in Edmonton. Um, and like, people are going to get mad about that, but it's true. They're, they're not in a market that is going to get the eyes that other markets are going to get. Um, no one, the Oilers have won the Stanley cup. It's been a long time, but the Oilers have won the Stanley cup before. Nobody cares about their playoff journey. Um, but to watch it happen out of Florida is a big deal. And so when you have a player like Matthew Kachuk, who like he was, was he on like NBA Tonight or whatever uh, last week? Yeah, he was um, on, on the panel. Yeah, yeah, which like that's cool. Uh, and he's but he's got a personality. He's got a little bit of an edge to him. Like he's got this. He's got that factor that if for a league that's trying to find a superstar, maybe he's the guy. Maybe he's the the person who becomes the face in you know in the states especially. Um, in Canada, you don't need a face of the league. I don't think. I think you can still get away with just like. Um, I think you can still just get away with you know having Connor McDavid play in Edmonton. It doesn't really matter. You don't need to have your Canadian superstar doing a magazine hit or like you know be on a talk show or be on a TSN panel. Like you don't need those things because we'll pay attention anyway, right? But in the states, I think it's important. And the fact that he's you know U.S. born, dad played in the league, brother plays in the league, but he's playing in Florida. Uh, I think makes a big difference for how that's being perceived. And like, yeah, he's going to be the superstar, which I think is really cool. No, of, of course. No, it's totally true. And even though you still, even though you still have Austin Matthews, who, yes, has scored 60 goals, is very gregarious, and he is in Toronto, which moves the middle a bit more, it's still Canada. And Toronto ratings, even though Toronto is the third biggest city in North America, it still doesn't register for, even though it's outdated, the Nielsen ratings. It still doesn't register. If, if Matthews were playing in Florida or if Matthews were playing in LA, things would be more different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or if he was like, yeah, even if he was playing in Arizona with all of the nightmare, we'll talk about that too uh, a little bit later um, with all the stuff that's going on down there. Um, yeah, he he needs Matthew Kachuk as an American hockey player playing in the States and thus far not being a shitbag other than being a rat <laughs> on the ice. But that's also important, right? Like he's not, there's no stories about him. Like there are about Patrick Kane. There's not, you know, there's none of that yet. And I'm going to say yet because who knows, right? We, maybe we just don't know. But for right now, he doesn't have that like harness on his image. And so I think that he is the perfect person right now to be the face of the league. Uh, and to be in People Magazine and, you know, to sort of, I think I guess it's a perfect, it's a perfect fit. I think he likes the attention, 
But I also think, like on the ice, he's a rat, and people don't like him. And uh, but if they play, if he played for your team, you would love him. Like he's one of those players. He's Corey Perry, but better in that respect, right? Where like if Corey Perry is not on your team, you absolutely hate him. And if he is on your team, you're like, yes, this is my favorite player. Like that's who Matthew Kachuk ultimately is, I think. Um, but he's also smart enough to kind of know what his position is and what his role is. And he's absolutely capitalizing on it. And I think that's a really awesome thing to see. Oh, of course. He really understands that. And, you know, you mentioned the whole, you mentioned the rat thing. And that's the funny thing because in other sports, guys who who are rats on the ice or who are rats, you know, on the field, the court, other sports, they have big personalities. In hockey, there have been a couple of rats there been other rats who aren't as big personalities off, off the ice. They are quiet personalities. The fact that, you know, he's played the rat role is talented and likes the attention is a big thing too, because we've seen guys in hockey who, you know, talk on the ice or piss on the ice, but put a camera in front of them and they'll say nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas Kachuk, like he'll say stuff and he will do, um, where, where he'll, he'll do, the things on the ice that'll annoy people and, and that kind of stuff. But he he will at the very least, most of the time stand in front of my camera and also say something. Very true. Um, so anyway, yeah, we were all very wrong uh, about, uh, about that and that's okay. Um, so Florida obviously has uh, moved on into the Stanley Cup final. And in the other series, it was Vegas and Dallas and the two of you picked Vegas and seven and I said Dallas and seven. Uh, and I mean, you guys were right about Vegas, but we were wrong about the number of games. I thought it was going to be a Vegas sweep after game three. I was actually surprised Dallas won anything. Yeah, it was surprising that Vegas got, sorry, Dallas got back into that series a bit. But I thought Jimmy Ben again, Jimmy Ben really, if you're a captain, come on, man. You're a captain who tried to decapitate an opposing player in Mark Stone, and you are one, not facing the media, and two, you're saying it was an accident. Come on, man. You're the captain. That's horrible. Yeah. Well, and it's so here's the thing about that. His excuse, correct me if I'm wrong. I read his, like, I, I didn't watch his press conference. I just, like, or whatever, or his media availability. I just, like, read it. But didn't he say something about how he, like, was leaning to stand up, basically? And that's why his stick ended up in, in the guy's neck. Isn't like that, that was his excuse? Pretty much, yeah. I was like, he's trying, yeah, he's trying to say, yeah, lean stand up, and, he, and then you know his weight came down on Stone. And it, it didn't make any sense at all. For if you had eyes, excuse me, not like a sense. No, because I watched it, and I was like, unless you like thought about standing up, and then were like, oh no, actually, I'm going to use his neck to push myself up. There's no possible way that that's what happened. Like it was just a stupid, and it was so early in that game. Like it was so dumb. And I don't understand, like, I don't, there's so many ways that you can get away with doing things that you're not supposed to do when you're playing hockey that he decided, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cross check a guy in the neck while his head is on the ground and nobody's going to notice. Right. Like it was, it was such an odd, like, you, you, you would have been better off saying, you know, yeah, you know, it happened. He, the moment should have done that. Move on. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. 10 times worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he wasn't. He didn't play that game. He didn't play. And he got was he suspended for two games, and they didn't they win both the games he was suspended for. Yeah, he, he, yeah, they did. Yeah, he got two games suspension. Yes, man. If I was, <laughs> I would terminate his contract. <laughs> They'd be like, well, uh, we win without you, and we lose when you're around. So uh, out. Um, 
But honestly, like like you mentioned before, he's their captain. And like that is that shitty, shitty move from a captain. Um that is that's bad. Um, for a whole bunch of reasons, obviously, but like there's just there's no there's no rationale for something like that that I think you can like get away with. And I mean this might make people mad too. I think that's ten times worse than uh whatever Petrangelo did to Dry Um the slash was bad. Like, let's not pretend that that wasn't bad. But I think what Ben did was way, way worse. Yeah, I, I think the, I think the, the, the problem where the HL and the with the the uh, Petrangelo play on on dry side and the play on Ben on um, Stone. I think the problem is NHL has set a standard in which we're not going to punish that. It's it's the playoffs. We're not going to cut. We're not going to throw the book at you. And we're mm-hmm. not going to really. We're not going to really. Um, we're not really going to really punish until there's an injury, which to me is the wrong way of looking at it. It's like you can't have a player slashing a guy like that. You can't have a player cross a guy like one thing when, Bre- when Brad Shanahan was the uh, head discipline, what I heard GMs are mad because he actually punished guys too harshly, which means ridiculous. Like you don't, can't you, have- don't, don't you remember those videos? Yeah. Do you remember, remember, remember like the explanation videos about like why people got suspended and stuff? I always thought mm-hmm. that was great. Yeah, um, it, was, it was transparency for once. Yeah, but no, like I, I just think the HL has to get serious because something's gonna happen where someone is, God forbid, could have a horrible injury. It's like you gotta, you gotta stop thinking. Oh, it's a playoffs. So you don't want to punish a guy. Like I don't care. Like, and realistically, Petrangelo should have probably gotten three or four games, and Dan mm-hmm. probably should have gotten five or six because those are both clear intent injured plays that are way yep. more than one or two games. Yeah, but I mean, we've known this for a long time, right? About the NHL, like there's always that talk about the playoffs, and we talked about this, I think, before the second round, or maybe it was after the second round when the Oilers lost, and it was like, yeah, you can have a 35 percent uh, power play, but if they're not calling the same penalties that they call in the regular season, uh, what difference does it make if your power play is good? Yeah, and and but it's been like this for years and years, like as far as long as I can remember, it's always been this idea that like once the playoffs hit the refs kind of put their whistles away and you're right unless someone is like hurt or it's like so egregious that they can't ignore it they don't call it no oh, and, and and it's dumb because literally no other no other league says oh it's a playoffs now okay we're not gonna call it the same way we did during the season like you'll never see NFL you'll never see in the playoffs oh the playoffs okay now you can put Pat Mahone through a table that'll never happen <laughs> No, no, and actually, I was just gonna say they're going to call things probably tighter in the playoffs to make sure that the officiating is um, is as accurate as possible. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Uh, yeah, anyway, I just, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that, and I, I don't want to say that Jimmy Ben like, you know, turned the tide of uh, the series or whatever, uh, because he didn't, because they were down and, and whatnot, but that was such a stupid, stupid thing. And it's like, you know, they kind of like, at the end of the day, they kind of deserve to lose because of it. Um, I don't know. Uh, You're arguing that Dallas karmically deserved to lose. Well, that, no, I'm not. I'm not making the argument, but that's like at this. At the end of the day, it's like if that's what your captain, if that's his contribution to the series, eh, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't know. It just, it, it sucks. We were just talking about how the, um, 
officials in the playoffs. Like, and it's, this is like a, this is a decades long thing where we all kind of know that the officiating isn't going to be the same in the playoffs versus in the regular season. And this year, I think more than ever, it was really, really noticeable. And I just mentioned that I think obviously what Ben did was way worse than what uh, Alex Petrangelo did to Dreisaitl. Um, and yet like he only got suspended for two games of potential got one. Whereas like that should have probably been like three or four and like five or six. I think you kind of have to uh, separate the refing from like the, the NHL discipline. And I will say NHL discipline has been horrible this playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like I'm stunned that honestly that they kept the nurse suspension in, which was clearly to help them license uh, to, to license them giving uh, Peter Angelo one game when they just in case anybody at home is shouting, Hey, there's that the letter of the law. Sure. They rescind those all the time. They rescinded multiple ones in the regular season, multiple like late game instigator penalties and nurses. It was clear. He, like, I think actually Nurse did deserve the instigator, but just the two minutes. Like, he just skated over. The other guy dropped his gloves first and threw the first punches. It's not like Nurse jumped somebody. The spirit of that law is to present, prevent losing teams from just trying to hurt the other team late in the game. Like, well, we're losing by three. I'm just going to start punching people in the face because what are you going to do? Kick me out of this game? Who cares? And Nurse did not violate the spirit of that law. It was outrageous. Like, even, like time has passed. If anything, I'm more upset about it now because at the time, part of my brain is like, don't be a homer. Uh, whereas now, like, mm-hmm. they're out. I don't care. I'm not being a homer. I'm not trying to, like, help my team. I'm looking at it with as much objectivity as I can muster and say, uh, Peros made the laziest, dumbest call that he possibly could have. Yeah, well, and one of the things we mentioned just before you hopped in, too, was when Brendan Shanahan was working for the league. And remember, like, the uh, the videos, like, his explanation videos for, like, oh, those were you know, they were and and sometimes you didn't necessarily agree with it but i liked that there was some accountability and an explanation like it's like he's he's taking the time and obviously it wasn't for everything but it's like you know suspensions and like supplementary or supplemental discipline and i think i think that that allows people to be like oh okay someone's paying attention right and there's there's a little bit of consistency and it's like okay this is the explanation here's the rule here's what happened here's how this broke the rule and here's the punishment that goes with that and I'm not saying thought that process. Yeah. And, and whereas this is just like, oh, I'm going to throw some stuff at the wall and like maybe it'll stick and maybe it won't. And also, like, the wind is blowing from the west, but I would prefer if it was blowing from the north. And because of that, no suspension. And you're like, okay, but how? Yeah. 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 I, I totally agree. Um, like, I, in general, really think that over complaining about the refs is kind of loser talk. But now that our team's out of it, uh, I think that it makes it it's a little bit fairer to be like, well, there's things we can criticize about the refing and there's things that we can like people should be fired, in my opinion, in like NHL hockey ops. Like I have actually more time for the refing than I do for how the refs are directed to work. Like Colin Campbell and George Ferris would both be out of a job tomorrow if I suddenly became king. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um we also we did our talk about Florida uh and how Matthew Kuchuk and um Bobrovsky going supernova at the same time has led to Florida being in the Stanley Cup Finals. Ultimately, uh, anything you want to mention about that series? Um, no, I'm sure that you guys covered all the basics. I don't have any incredible insights, but I will say I find it fascinating that, or maybe fascinating is not the wrong word, cool. It's really funny that there's a very realistic chance that Bobrovsky will win the Smythe Trophy. So let's just say that happens. Even if he doesn't win the Smythe Trophy, it's clear that Florida will say, well, this $10 million contract was worth it. It helped get us this cup, and everyone will agree it was worth it. 
But even though everyone will agree that it was worth it, we, they won't be able to give him away for free this summer. Even though he may be a Conn Smythe winning goalie, who everyone agrees was worth $10 million, no one is going to take that contract. And I okay. think that's hilarious. I, can't, I don't yeah. think I've ever seen that situation before where someone could win a Conn Smythe trophy and still like the entire league will say, no, thank you. And if anyone did take that contract, they would be stupid. You'd be stupid to take that contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. We didn't, yeah, we didn't really address that. It, that is very true. Um, interesting. Um, okay, so last uh, last time we picked, you picked Vegas uh, to win in seven, um, and you picked Car- We all picked Carolina to win, and we were all very wrong. So Stanley Cup final, obviously, with the the with the sort of. Uh, Admission that this is after game one that Vegas won. So, like, we have... I know, Avery, I saw you on Twitter yesterday. You had a uh, a prediction already. I didn't put anything out there. Uh, so, what do we think is going to happen in this round? Who's winning the Stanley Cup? Avery, I'll defer to you. All right. Well, you know, I, I did make a prediction on Twitter earlier, uh, um, a couple days ago. I am going to stand... I'm going to stand behind the Vegas Golden Knights in seven games, I know game one already took place in Vegas. Looked great. The offense was rolling early on. I think right now the Vegas depth and the Vegas having all four lines rolling well is going to be too much for Florida. And it's going to be a big case of Florida having that week of rest, working against them. I think even though the Florida Panther story is fun to watch, I think right now they've met their match in this series. Well, what can I say? I agree with Avery. Um, I have had a proud tradition of underestimating the Panthers this entire playoffs, and I don't see why I should stop now. I agree that they've got great top-end talent, but I also think there's a reason why they struggle to find so much consistency in the regular season, and I think sooner or later that reason is going to reappear. Um, and also, I just think that Vegas is a really excellent team. So let's say Vegas in six. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to say Florida in seven. I think Avery hits the nail on the head with Florida having all of that rest, I think is actually probably was bad for them. Uh, but I don't think that it's going to take them too long to kind of sort it out. Um, I feel like they're going to go back to Florida split and then take home ice advantage and we'll see what happens. Um, and that's that. So also, uh, assuming it doesn't matter, Consumite winners. So let's just assume here. Uh, do you think... That uh, Sergey Bobrovsky can win the Conn Smythe even if Florida loses the cup. No. Okay. I think it's more likely Matt Kachuk wins the Conn Smythe if Florida lo- even if Florida loses the cup. Okay. Okay, that's fair. I'd agree with that. Avery. Yep. Yeah, it's one of those things. I was looking. My dad and I were talking about something uh, after. I think I was assuming it was the day that Florida won. Maybe. Um, and the only players from losing teams that have won the Conn Smythe have been goalies. There's oh, been five. That is incorrect. Really? That's what I Re- read. Reggie the Rifle Leach. I am almost positive. I'm going to look that up. Oh. But I believe he I won the Conn Smythe as a forward on a losing team. Let me look that up you right could now. Very well, be right. Anyway, that was the that was what my dad and I had seen. You know, what? I think you might be correct. Nope, I am. He is the only non-goalie to ever go. win the Smythe in a losing effort. Chris Pronger should have. Uh, I uh, am. That is maybe my single most passionate uh, and historical NHL opinion. I have other questions. I don't understand how Mark Messier beat Mario Lemieux for the the Hart Trophy when Lemieux had 160 points in 60 games. I think they docked him for being injured, but 
I'm not sure, but you know, no, absolutely. Chris Pronger should have won the 06 Smythe. that it went to Cam Ward, who had a perfectly serviceable season, mm-hmm. or that some people were seriously talking about voting for Fernando Pertzani. Uh, that is a just a grave miscarriage of justice. For my money, Chris Pronger was the second, had the second best playoffs I've ever seen in my life. Second only to Mario Lemieux in 91, which I was a baby. I, I remember though. I firmly believe that if the Ottawa Senators had made it to the Stanley Cup final in like 2017 or whatever year that was, Eric Carlson would have won the Cup final. Even if they um, were lost, I agree. Even he if they were was lost, amazing. Yeah. yeah, he was. He's the only reason they made it as far as they did. Um, okay, so yeah, I think yeah, I think if Florida loses, I think Matt Kachuk could potentially win. Uh, Vegas is an interesting team because, like, generally speaking, they don't have. They don't. Ha- I mean, like, Mark's not like I shouldn't say they don't no have one's to- running away with it. But nobody from that team, you can't look at anyone on that team and being like, and be like, oh, that's the guy who's going to win the Conn Smythe to with you in the cup. Exactly. And I think that's why, as much as I just kind of scoffed at Bobrovsky winning, no, he really might because there's no obvious choice on uh, the Knights. Uh, you can't give it to you know, either of their goalies, obviously, as they've played. Uh, they played three different goalies this playoffs or just two? Um, but either way, they played two significantly, so you can't give it to either one of them. Um, yeah, Jack Eichel's leading them in scoring, but only by two points and not by a mile. He's got 20 points in 18 games. Martian Solo is 18 in uh, 18 games. Mark Stone is 16 in 18 games as their captain and one of the best defensive players, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, who, who, you, who could you pick from Vegas? Like, mm-hmm. Probably Eichel has the edge, but I think it's close. And yeah. even he's not like... He's not certainly not carrying them. This is a team effort. It's true. It's true. Um, so that's the end of like the playoff stuff. Uh, we Avery and I were talking before we hit record about the Heritage Classic jerseys that people are apparently mad about, even though they don't know what they're going to look like. Um, no. Which is foolish, as far as I'm concerned, because until you know what they look like, how can you be upset about something? Ah. But Avery, but Avery, I would like for you to to speak to why you think. Uh, that those Heritage Classic jerseys should be something that go back before 2006, ultimately. <laughs> because, well, hockey existed in, in the city before 1972. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, understand people's attachment to the 06 jerseys, the 80s jerseys. But hockey was here way before the Oilers were ever even thought. I mean, the Flames wore Calgary Tiger jerseys from the 1920s when they played Heritage Classic against Montreal. And the Oilers have never worn a jersey as our hockey team that wasn't the Oilers. So why should we why should we book the trend of wearing a jersey that honors different parts of a city's hockey heritage? Yeah, that's fair. Absolutely. Um, and like the the drawing or the the rendering that I saw that Tom Gazzola said was sort of like the spirit was correct looks pretty sweet, actually. Uh, it's like some old. I think it's some old Image and Mercury's stuff, um, or like that kind of idea, and it looks really awesome. Uh, and I think that'd be kind of cool. I don't know. There's this weird affinity in this city, and maybe you guys can speak to this too, for the copper and blue. Yeah. Um, which I like, sort of. I liked, I always really liked the navy blue in that. I liked the piping and stuff. I didn't like the white jerseys in that, but I didn't mind the the navy blue. But, like, if I'm designing a jersey for a game, you know, the sort of, like, marquee event, outdoor game, et cetera, et cetera, I am not going back to those colors. I don't think. I, uh, yeah, I'm not that. Sure. I agree with you. Basically. I I don't love too much copper or orange makes it look ugly. In my opinion, I really 
didn't it was cute briefly when it was pure retro but uh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I, no- I, I should really shut up i'm not a big jersey guy i'm not really a big jersey person either but i just like if i'm if i'm going back to something like like i'm a fan of the jerseys league-wide that are simple those are my favorite ones i like i think my favorite is probably the habs like it's simple it's classic it has barely changed and there's something about that that's like there's something nice about that the whalers jersey is probably the best that there's ever been in the league and they're simple right they're not complicated jerseys i find i understand it's an economic question now at this point where you have these different jerseys and then people buy them and you've got your people like with their big collections of of stuff and that's great but I just, I don't know, to me, like, how do you build a brand and an identity as a team if your logo and your color combinations are changing all the time? Uh, yeah, I, it bugs me when team, I mean, that's, I think, the the whole goal behind having the third jersey, though, is it not? That we can keep our classic look and do something uh, wacky. Mm-hmm. And yeah, move. and the, that's fine if you do that, but the Oilers have not done so. Right. Like they keep they keep going back and forth and doing all these things. And like, I think I've said it before on here. I know I've said it in the group chat with Avery and Alex. It annoyed me to no end that when the Oilers had their orange like home jerseys and then the navy and orange and then the white that the three oranges didn't match. Yeah, yeah. that was very strange to why they weren't all matching. But one thing I I didn't like this year was. um, the Orla jerseys was the fact that the Orla's completely missed the message on the first retro this year. Like, why was that Orla drop? Like, what the Tommy Farland look? Fine, but why was that jersey not silver or white? The whole thing is to reverse the look. The base color mm-hmm. should not have been the same as what you wore in two thousand and two. That's not reversing the jersey. That should have been silver or white. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. They kind of missed the boat on that one. Um, and so, yeah, it's just funny to watch people be mad about this jersey that hasn't yet been released. Because um, we know that the people who are the most angry about it are going to buy it anyway. Um, they're course. just like grudgingly buy it, but they're going to buy it anyway. Um, and then wear it when they go to the game, and that's fine. And like, you're welcome to to do those things. Uh, I just always find it like just a really interesting. Um, I just always find the jersey question like an interesting one because the teams that I like generally speaking, they don't change, right? Like, I'm a New York Yankees fan, as some of us know, and, like, they haven't changed. Um, they're, they got their pinstripes and, and their grays, and, like, they're just the same. Nothing is different. The Green Bay Packers, the logo hasn't changed. The green hasn't changed. The gold hasn't changed. Um, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, like, all of them, they've just kind of stayed. And so I always think the NHL is a really interesting thing because there's all of this stuff where we ch- make these changes all the time. And I'm never, I'm never overly impressed with most of the choices that get made. Like league-wide, I always kind of think that they're sort of like, eh, I guess that's fine. I mostly agree with you. I think that it, it like kind of means something like the Habs are the ultimate example. Like it means something to wear that jersey because that is the Habs jersey. And they mm-hmm. like, you know, tweak it, but it's always the same colors and always it's the same basic, very similar design anyway. And so there's like a sense of continuity, which a lot of teams and the Oilers being one of the better examples simply don't have because they're not just, you know, swinging for the fences with the third jersey. They're going all over the damn place all the time with everything. Whereas like, the re- into it. Whereas like the reverse retros this year, I remember when they were first released and I looked at them and I couldn't even figure out who like the Vancouver Canucks one. I was like, I don't even know who this is. Um, 
but the so 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 cool uh and they really leaned in like avery said to the reverse aspect of the um of it anyway um that's my thoughts about that uh so i don't know what the hair classic jersey is gonna look like i don't know what it's gonna look, look like for either team but uh let's not get mad about it until we actually see um what's happening avery what else were we going to talk about I don't remember. I don't remember yeah. that. Yeah, we had, there was something else that we had mentioned at the very beginning um, that we were going to talk about. Hang on, there was the, the, this, the playoffs, the officiating, the jerseys. Oh, I don't remember what the other thing was now. Oh, no. I'm trying to think if there was just any other passionate thing I had on my heart, but um, really there's not. You oh, already I, touched on, sorry, go ahead. I want to talk about Arizona stuff for a second here. All right. And and Gary Batman and like all of these things. That was the other thing that I wanted that that I had brought up, because um, we were talking about Matthew Kachuk being the face of the league mm-hmm. in the states, and how Austin Matthews, even though he's like an American superstar player, he plays in Toronto, which like doesn't translate into ratings necessarily stateside. Um, and how so Kachuk playing in Florida makes sense, like to put him at the face of the league, and then also. Like if Austin Matthews is like playing in LA, for example, okay. uh, you know, anyway, then the Arizona thing. Uh, so Gary Bettman said the other day that they're looking at options again in Phoenix. And I just like, I don't even know what to make of this. Because well, it's, it's clear that it's like, whatever is happening isn't working or whatever. And now we're looking at arena options in Phoenix again. Like, what is your take on this whole thing? I mean, this is the kind of thing that uh, Avery usually has really intelligent things to say on this front because I am uh, totally at a loss. Like the area of Phoenix has spoken at this point, Gary. Just listen to them. I know um, Avery feels the exact opposite on this front because he very nobly cares about the fans that there are in Phoenix. And I certainly agree mm-hmm. that they do have some fans, but um, the city of phoenix and to be honest i'm not even mad about it like i've gotten a lot more cynical about professional sports as i've gotten older and one of the ways in which my cynicism expresses itself is i'm not convinced that it's a net good for the city to have a professional sports team certainly not to to buy them hundreds of millions of dollars in uh free arena deals so yeah by all means tell them no we're not going to do that we just don't care enough it's not worth our trouble to spend hundreds of millions of dollars to keep you here if we don't think we're getting a good deal and you're just clearly not going to get that in Phoenix. There's not enough people who care. There's certainly not enough ownership who care, not enough people in city council who cares. So that's just it. I know that Batman is obsessed with the Phoenix TV market, but um, I, it, it's, it's in. Like, I can't mm-hmm. imagine what other results you could possibly be waiting for. Like, why did the Atlanta Thrashers move so quickly? Like, every time a team moves, it's a combination of they didn't have an arena and or they didn't have ownership. And technically, the Coyotes have ownership, but he's made it clear he's not going to spend at a level that will allow them to be a competitive mm-hmm. team. Like it's there. I think that um, for a long time, I sort of defended them as uh, helping people launder money in exchange for draft picks is good business, but only if you have some intention of eventually turning those draft picks into a quality on ice product. 
And I don't think their current owner does. I think he's sort of waiting until he gets a better arena set up. They don't have the arena. There is just no reason, no compelling reason to uh, mm-hmm. keep keep the team here. They're saying they don't want you. Like, sorry. I know that there's like probably 9,000 dedicated fans in the Phoenix or in the state of Arizona to hockey. And that's great. Cool that Austin Matthews came from there. But uh, they collectively are saying they don't want you. There's been a vote. It's been taken. Mm -hmm. They don't want you. Move the team. Well, yeah, and 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 I mean, like, the, yeah, Avery would have something to say. I don't know where he went. He disappeared. Um, but <laughs> he's just I, like, I'm, I, I feel know. highly judgmental as somebody who's very late to the meeting because I'm at work yeah. right now. <laughs> but I, it, it's interesting you say they have like nine thousand dedicated because that's always the joke, right? Is that like they don't have lots of fans, and that's okay. Like you don't need to have a ton, but you uh, that to only have a small number, like they can sell out a 5,000 seat arena, no problem because it's a 5,000 seat arena, but there have been a long time. There were, have been a lot of years where their attendance has been pretty poor on like a percentage basis. Right. And, and, and I understand that there's lots of Canadians that go and spend part of the winter down in like the Phoenix area. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is potentially, you know, that they would come and I guess seeing how hockey is working in Vegas and how it doesn't work in Arizona. And hockey's only been in Vegas since, like, what, 2017? Um, seeing how it's working there and how it's not working in Arizona, I think probably annoys uh, Gary Bettman and Bill Daly more than they would let on. Um, because Vegas is what I think they had originally sort of envisioned the Arizona hockey experiment would be. I think that one of the things that, or well, for me anyway, and again, I don't know as much about this as some people do, but it seems to me like one of the main things that we can learn from the last really 10 years of which teams are thriving, which teams aren't, is the arena location is inc- maybe arguably more important than what the city is. Like one of the reasons why Ottawa is struggling, according to most of my Ottawa fans, is uh, Canada is not in Ottawa. It's like way out in the burbs. It'd be like if the Oilers played in Spruce Grove. Um, that would probably cost them some attendance. Some people would say that's like, if you live on the East side of the city, like why I'm going to drive 45 minutes for that. No, thank you. So especially, maybe that would still fly in Edmonton. Um, but there's lots of, you could easily imagine a slightly less hockey mad place or even somewhere with a smaller population base where, oh yeah, sorry. That's essentially the next town over. It's just too far, Mm -hmm. at least too far for me to get season tickets. And Washington, Mm -hmm. that team turned around, not just when Ovi showed up, when they got a new arena that was like right downtown and there's a real movement. I know for a long time that, Hey man, actually uh, arenas outside of town, that's the best because you can have more parking and uh, there's, there's arguments both ways. It's again, why I'm just not enough of an expert to say this confidently, but one of the biggest problems that Phoenix seems to be having is not just Phoenix. It's where that arena is, is just Mm -hmm. too far for some people. And obviously now they're not in any arena. Um, but whereas mm-hmm. Vegas seems to have like a primo arena location where it's convenient for casual or yeah. curious fans to go to the game. And that's yeah, why I, I understand why Bentman's like, even if they move, we're going to circle back. Fine. Circle back when you get your dream location. But mm-hmm. how long could you possibly wait? Well, it's funny you say that about Ottawa, because I remember a few years ago, a friend of mine and I, we drove across the country. Um, and so we went from Montreal to Sudbury one day and we stopped in Ottawa, like on Parliament Hill for like half an hour or whatnot. And then we got back on the Trans-Canada Highway and that will take you to the Canadian Tire Center uh, on the Trans-Canada Highway. And I just looked it up on Google Maps and to go from Parliament Hill, like right in the center of Ottawa to um, the Canadian Tire Center right now at 
2 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon is going to take you 25 minutes. Yeah. Um, and so I imagine, and that's when there's nothing happening there or whatever. So I imagine trying to get to a game out there uh, is going to take some time, right? If you're trying to get there for a 7 o'clock p.m. start on a weeknight, as you know, you've got 15,000 people trying to get out there. I can, and because I don't know what the public transit is like, I'm sure it's basically non-existent because it's so far away. Um, yeah, it's not easy to get to. And I think the same thing, I think that's the issue in Arizona as well. Whereas like in Edmonton, for better or for worse, the arena is downtown and it's an essential place, right? And it's easy enough to get to. And there is public yep. transit and there is parking. And and it, I think it, it changes how, what your relationship as a fan with the team is if you can get to the rink in a reasonable amount of time. That doesn't mean that oh. everywhere needs a downtown arena. I don't think that's necessarily true, but I do think access is important. And if it's not going to be right in your city center, then you have to have good transit access. Yeah. As well as as car access to get to those arenas. In uh, Yeah, I can't pretend to be an uh, arena expert, but it does seem quite clear that one of the biggest problems that uh, the Arizona, there's a reason why they're no longer the Phoenix Coyotes, is that the Arizona Coyotes have is their arena has never been in a good location for them. Mm -hmm. And that's a big deal and you can't fix that problem overnight. And I hate agreeing with Alan Walsh, but how long can you actually ask the rest of the league and the players to just funnel millions of dollars into this because someday a different arena may or may not emerge. Like, sorry, you're going to have to call it when it call us when it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And there's just something about it that uh, I don't know. They're just, they, they keep, there seems to me that there has to be another reason why they keep trying to get this experiment alive. I, it's not. I, I agree. I don't know what it is. He's uh, like Batman is fixated beyond what can be yeah. explained with objective facts because he, my, the only thing that I'll defend Batman on is he doesn't like to move teams anymore. Um, mm-hmm. uh, in, in the nineties, he moved a couple, but you could make a case. He kind of had to, um, he's, he fought hard to keep the Oilers in Edmonton. He, uh, he fought to keep teams where they were. I, that's maybe the only thing I'll give him credit for, but he did move. He still does allow moves. Like he let the Thrashers move really quickly. Why Mm -hmm. does he seem so fixated? Even those teams, like I said, in Canada, where it's like, okay, well, I had to let the Jets move. I had to let the Nordiques move. And maybe you did. All those situations are in place in Arizona. And God knows there's other owners. It's not for lack of owners in other very viable cities. He is absolutely attached to the Coyotes beyond what can be explained. Well, and it's not like it's not like it's a desert hockey question anymore because there's hockey in Las Vegas and that's desert hockey. Anyway, Avery is back. What do you have yeah, to say? I'll see as well for Arizona. Well, there it's there been ocean group there been groups in Gilbert and Mesa who do want to um, build an arena there. So that's the reason why the league is not going to move the county because again, the league is going to keep this team in Arizona until they've exhausted every last option. And there have been options that popped up in Mesa. In Gilbert. Now, again, not ideal because Mason and Gilbert are not in the downtown core of Phoenix, Arizona, where the team should be. And this, and I'll admit, we do need to hear from Alex Morello. We do need to hear from him. And not, not, his, not his CEO, um, Xavier Gutierrez. We hear from Alex Morello himself because he has not spoken on the record yet since the vote to reject Tempe Arena. It's very important that fans hear what his plan is. So until until the Mesa thing and Gilbert thing are gone, you're not going to see this team leave. Like I, I guarantee, league will bite the bullet and if it, and move to Mesa before they leave Arizona entirely. They they said they're going to use every single option possible to um, to keep this team in Arizona, ideally downtown. Because before they moved to Glendale, 
when they played in American West Arena with the Suns, they were selling out. They had they they were doing better crowds than the Arizona than the um, Islanders than Tampa than Anaheim in some cases. They were doing better in downtown Phoenix in the nineties than teams have been in the league for 20, 25 years. Again, the arena wasn't ideal, wasn't built for hockey. The Suns hated them playing there, but there was a fan base there again. And going to Glendale, the issue was Glendale spread out. We talk about being spread out. That is a far. It's, almost, it's an hour drive. It's an hour drive to watch a hockey game. Fans were not going to go there 41 times a year on a school night, on a work night. They weren't going to do it. But when they've been playing in downtown, you can go on HF uh, Hockey Database and find the numbers. They did quite well in downtown Phoenix. I mean, they weren't. I mean, they weren't um, top 10, but they were. You know, mid. They were in that mid tier of fans. So, league's gonna try and figure something out. The league will exhaust every single option. I don't. I don't blame them because they've proven when they play in an area where the fans are, they do quite well. It's when they don't. It's when they're out in the in who knows in who knows where Arizona. That's when they don't do well. So, if they can find some sort of option after Mullet that is somewhat central, then why move it? Because fans will come. Well, it's interesting yeah, that you say this. Um, you're talking about like Glendale and how far it is, uh, and I mean, I'm not disputing this. I don't really know like the geography uh, down there, but I do. Correct me if I'm wrong. The Cardinals also play in Glendale. Yes, they do, and they don't. I mean, their team is terrible, and they don't seem to have a problem. I mean, I get it. It's different. There's only eight home games and blah 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 blah. But it there also is for reasons that I don't know. Um, that I don't really understand. I, there just doesn't seem to be that same draw. Cause like, like you pointed out 41 games a year, like that's a tough, that's a tough sell for people to go that far. I'm just looking at a map of like the region. It is. Yeah. It's a long, long way. And if you're living in like downtown, like if you're living in Phoenix or like if you're living East of Phoenix, if you're in Scottsdale or somewhere like that, you're not making that drop, but you will go for the Cardinals. Cause it's only eight games a year. I it's think only eight look- games, and also let's let's be honest. Like, there's just going to be less passionate hockey fans. Like, you might be a hockey fan, but are you passionate enough to drive an hour? Where there's lots of people like, oh, I drive five hours for a football game, for an NFL game. Like, the level of it's yeah, not just the number exactly. of fans; it's the level of passionate play. No, it's yeah. you. Yes, you're right. There are far more football fans and hockey fans, and, and football has been in Arizona at the NFL and different levels for far longer than pro hockey's been. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that you say it because you said that Mesa and Gilbert are the the places that are looking at it's like there's some ownership options because it's it's Tempe that they just had the vote when they rejected mm-hmm. the arena and like Mesa and Gilbert are again further east uh, than like Central Phoenix they're they're east of Tempe so that'll be interesting to see if what ends up happening there um, and and there are and we know that there are like passionate hockey fans down there and we know that people go and watch and stuff but like if the argument is now about hockey in the desert there is hockey in the desert and it's quite successful uh, and it just happens to not be in Arizona and it's playing off a very similar model but one of the reasons why they believed in Arizona is there's so many direct flights from all over Canada which obviously helps the Knights like not every mm-hmm. fan in the Vegas arena is a Vegas fan uh, there's a lot of Canadians who hop down because you can get a direct flight to Vegas from almost anywhere. Yeah. So I mean, I get I, I get the model, but 
I haven't been to an NHL game in quite a long time, and I have I probably won't go back to one. Uh, but if I was gonna go, I would probably go to Vegas because I, I think based on what I've seen from the like the fan experience, it looks awesome. Yeah, I'm sure it's a blast. Yeah, um, and so like, heck- but if that's the case, then then they're doing whatever they're doing, they're doing it right, and whatever's happening in Arizona, just for whatever reason, the the combination of conditions is just not quite right. Yeah, but that's exactly oh. it. Uh, it's not like to be fair to, I was going to say to be fair to Avery as if he represents every hockey fan in Arizona, to, to like to be fair to the argument for hockey in Arizona, there probably is a way that that would not only work, but work incredibly well. But the combination hasn't been there yet. And you can say, well, they just need a winning team or, well, we just need several more things to click, click into place. And it's not that I don't buy that. It's how long is it reasonable to expect to to wait for those things to click into place when there are so many other places that appear to have all those things in place right now, other than obviously the, the winning team. Although I think Arizona, if they get even a modest budget are going to be awesome in three to five years, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. um, like they've just been given a chance. And honestly, the lack of passion for me is a factor. Like there's a reason why Winnipeg has a team right now, even though they arguably shouldn't they don't check every box they maybe don't have a big enough population center corporate support or even big enough arena but there's just so much passion there and one billionaire uh that they're like all right we we're gonna roll the dice on this and it seems to be at least working well enough and i certainly don't sense the volume of at the requisite volume of passion to wait for the other things to click into place. And I, I don't say that with Lee, I'm not dancing on the grave of, of hockey in, uh, uh, in Arizona. Like I was an Oilers, I was a kid, you know, when you're the, the maximum amount of sensitive to this kind of thing, when some, you know, billionaire wanted to steal my team from me, like I don't relish moving the team, but I just can't justify waiting more and more years. Like really, Unless something I would say is sorted out in the next few months, um, I would do a midnight move on the team because there's so many other places that no, they're like, we have it, we have it in place. Like there's a huge yeah. opportunity cost to continuing to move things around in Arizona and wait to try and get the right combination of stuff. There's a huge opportunity cost on that that I just don't know how you can justify. Yeah, that's fair. Avery, any last thoughts? Yeah, Stephen, you mentioned being a kid, and you mentioned how um, the Oilers, when they almost moved several times, this team almost moved to Houston, Hamilton, Minneapolis. And what I what irks me has always been um, Oilers fans and sometimes Flame fans, Sens fans, uh, laughing and saying, "How saying good? All five fans will, be, will, will miss this team." It's like, yo, check yourselves for a minute. We almost lost our team here. Ottawa almost lost their team. Calgary almost lost their team. Like. Look in the mirror for a second and realize that, hey, this fate could have been you as well. So stop laughing at the idea of Cody's fans losing their team. That's very disrespectful. And lack of self-awareness as well, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, I 100% weird... agree with that, especially in Ottawa, where I don't think they're out of the woods. No, they're not out of the woods yet. Um, but like you said, Batman doesn't like teams to move. And so like they will exhaust all options before that happens. Um, but yeah, I, there is this weird like superiority complex that comes out of like Canadian fan bases when it comes to stuff like the Coyotes, the Thrashers, whatever. And it's like, well, yeah, except do we not remember how in 1996 or whenever that was that like 
a bunch of rich people in the city had to band together so that the team wouldn't move? Like, do we not remember that? And it wasn't just because we were a small part market. The Oilers couldn't sell tickets. I think that's yeah. what people forget is that, I don't know, it wasn't that we were a hockey mad city, but we were just too small, damn it. It was, we were not a hockey mad city. They could not hit their season ticket goals. No, and I remember I've I have a bunch of old VHS tapes of you know I've uh, the old um the old Don Cherry tapes. Well, yeah, looking back at it now, yuck! But you watch the clips of um or of games from like 92, 93, 94, and there's Orlick clips in there, and there is no one in the stand of Northlands. There is no body there for these games like mid nineteen eighty three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and people, I think, have forgotten that because now it's not like that anymore. And there's this, like, smug sort of sense of, well, that would never happen here. But, like, it very clearly could have. It could have happened in Calgary. Um, I don't really know much about Vancouver, I'm sure, probably. But, like, and it's not – Toronto, Montreal probably were safe. But, like, generally speaking, it could happen to any one of these markets. And it's just we're in a position now where it might not. Uh, but we feel like, oh, well, it'll never happen here or never could have happened here. And I don't think that's the right way to uh, be thinking about it. I boldly predicted, Will, I don't think that the NHL, I would say pro sports in general, but the NHL especially, I just don't think this market has long-term viability. Basically, uh, charging so much that only rich people can afford to, or at least very financially secure people can afford to uh, go to any games at all, let alone season tickets. The only reason why they're willing to pay so much is because it's very cool to go to games. And as soon as you have a generation of people who grew up not being able to afford to go to games, they won't care. And then it won't be cool. And then you'll lose them both. And i that, that's what I'm mm-hmm. boldly predicting is going to happen. They're you pricing themselves out of their market. This isn't the opera. You can't yeah. count on millionaires wanting to do this indefinitely. You need that blue-collar support, and you're pricing yourself out of them. Well, and it goes back to the question then about like the jerseys and then this and then this and like if you want to participate, it's not just the cost of the tickets, right? Like there's there's so oh much more gosh. to doing it if you want to participate and like sort of feel like you're you're in it. Like jerseys are expensive, food is expensive, drinks are expensive. Like the whole experience becomes. Not- I I, un- I understand why people buy season tickets and then sell seventy five percent of their games. Totally, and I'm fine. I'm enthusiastic about getting everything you can out of the rich people. Absolutely. If somebody can afford to get the premium experience, charge them for it. No, no hard feelings there. I'm not against the existence of rich people and I'm not against the exit of charging them for everything you can get out of them. But the Oilers in particular make almost no nods to the rest of us. They, mm-hmm. it's not like they, they have like a very expensive gourmet burger and then a regular person burger for a regular person price. Everything about the trip to Rogers arena is designed to just, squeeze the maximum amount of money out of you uh, like that i maybe it hasn't been brought up in a while but the bobby nicks burger the team president naming a burger after himself as if anyone gives a crap about uh the president of the team mm-hmm. of the business side of the team <laughs> naming a burger after himself and then charging over 20 dollars for it yeah no i'm Firmly a tier two fan since then. Between that and the the threat <laughs> yeah, to move the team yeah. to Seattle, go screw yourselves. Don't pretend you are a community team. Yeah. I we yeah. all see what you're doing. I continue yeah. to watch because it's fun to talk about hockey with my friends. But I will cry no tears uh, if, when the professional sports models that currently exist absolutely collapses. You know what? You know what's oh. funny? Though? 
No, I, I do not. I've, no. I, I've sat down. I've sat down with virtually every um, team president or owner in Edmonton sports scene from Reed Clark with the Singers to Victor Queen with the Elks to the um, Edmonton Riverhawks. They are their brass. But the most inaccessible group that tries to be a community team is the Oilers. Like, I've never sat down with Gerald Keith because no one ever sees this man in person. Like, there's, there's compared to other teams in the city, there is such a barrier between the Oilers and the consumer. And if people don't like, and it, and it's a reason why people, people don't like that. I get it because they put this barrier up um, compared to the fans, there's ever superiority that you don't see with the Elks, River Hawks, or the Stingers. Well, and the other thing too, like, and the, and we know this, that the Oilers, the access to the Oilers is actually somehow better now than it has been in the past. Like based on some of the people that are working in communications and whatnot, like there's it's actually improved, better, yes. it's improved and it's still pretty bad. And like, yeah, to me, that just, that's just, very snobbishly. yeah, like there, there is that, that sort of like, well, we're the, the kind of marquee attraction here, when you're talking about pricing people out, and I know baseball is a different a different beast because your stadiums are bigger and you can get more people in and stuff. But like, there's deals all over the place where at certain ballparks in the states where you can get like a ticket in the bleachers, a hot dog, and a drink for like twenty five bucks for an afternoon game. And like, you can't. Mm-hmm. There's no deals that exist like that. Like the best deal that I've heard of for the Oilers is through the U of A. If you are a U of A student, you can go to regular season games on Tuesday nights, and they're, you're like up, way up. But the it's like sixty bucks a ticket. Sixty bucks yeah. for university students. Yeah, I remember when the Habs built their. I have no idea what their ticket pricing is now. It's probably also outrageously expensive. But when they built it, they was like a huge capacity, like twenty thousand seat capacity. And the owner said something along the lines of, "It's important to me to have affordable seats, even if maybe they're not the best seats, and even if it means we don't sell out every game. I really want to have affordable seats in that arena, and mm-hmm. that's awesome. And I think that." Uh, not only do I think it behooves the Oilers for their long-term vision to like, now we should have affordable seats too, to make sure lots of people are going to the games. But I would actually say they take so much community money and trade so much off the idea that they are a part of the community, that they are somewhat morally obligated to be just giving tickets away to uh, local kids. Like they should, they should have, there should, it just should not be this major of an expense to go to a hockey game, especially when the at home experience is so good. Like I've just resolved to stop buying hockey tickets and it's not because I've had a hard breakup with the Oilers. It's just, Oh, it's, it's straight up not worth the money. It is mm-hmm. just not worth the money um, to go to a hot. And it's not even almost worth the money. Like the last time I went, uh, my mom had like seasoned or like a, a mini pack that she bought with a friend. Her friend couldn't go. Uh, and they were like decent tickets and just the ticket was $160. And then if you're eating anything, uh, between parking and food, it was like over a two hundred dollar night, and it was fun. We had a really nice time, but um, I could have done that at home and watched it on my HD TV. Like two hundred dollars is a lot of money. You can go to a movie for twenty bucks. Like well, and just, I was this is long. In terms of like entertainment value too, like I have tickets, like Citadel Theater tickets. I have uh, ESO subscription tickets. Uh, we have the Broadway tickets. Uh, so over the course of the year, I spend... Yeah, Megan is one of these rich people we're talking about. I spend, you know, 1200 bucks, let's say, roughly. Well, maybe it's not that much. 
thousand between a thousand and twelve hundred dollars, depending on how many of the Broadway shows come through town on that kind of like arts entertainment, right? Um, but with that, for the twelve hundred dollars, uh, there's six Citadel shows and six uh, Symphony and like three or four Broadway shows, and I have never walked out of one of those and thought to myself that wasn't worth the money. Like that's as a, as an entertainment sort of cost. I've never walked out of one of those performances and been like, oh, I wish I hadn't have spent the money on that. Whereas I have gone to hockey games in the past and been like, oh, I was a waste of my money. Yeah. And uh, well, even I love live hockey and I still just, I don't, can't justify spending that much on it. Especially now when you got the, gold, the golden bears uh, playing, you know, yeah. if you want to see live hockey, there's ways to see live hockey. Yeah, Avery doesn't know what we're talking about because he gets to go to the Oilers games as a member of the press corps, and so he doesn't have to pay. Uh, he's he's forgotten hey, his I, roots. Hey, I was once I was once a um, fan who had to had to dig up money and find tickets. So I'm I'm fully aware of the economics of how sports tickets are outrageous in different markets. I'm still very aware and tapped into how teams price out the average fan, Megan. <laughs> no, no, I know, I know. But I mean, your experience now is different because you get, you have that access. So you're not having to pay to go to the games. That is true. And it, it does, I think it just makes a difference in how, like, if you don't have to pay or if you, you know, have like, you work for a company that has tickets or whatever, you might not appreciate the, sort of the cost of it because if you get to go for free and i'm not saying like Avery you specifically but like if you get to go for free it changes the way that you maybe engage with that access because you don't have to pay to get in there so even if you are going to buy drinks and food or whatever if you didn't have to pay for the ticket it makes the experience a lot less pricey but those ticket prices are so so high i remember going um in 2017 when uh the new jersey devils came to play uh, their one game here that year when Taylor Hall was back and my dad got tickets for me for Christmas from a friend of his who just gave the tickets to my dad. His dad didn't have to pay for them. The guy like wrote them off for, from on a, as an expense for his company. And we were sitting down like right behind the devil's bench, maybe like 10 rows up and the face value on those tickets was $305 each. Yeah, and like, it was fine, but it's way too much money for a hockey game. I think. But that's why, I mean, you explained in that story why they cost that much, because it can be written off as a business expense. Mm -hmm. Like, people aren't, for the most part, aren't buying those tickets. Businesses are. And then they're using them to court clients and stuff. And yeah. again, the only reason why that works is because it's cool to go to games. And the only reason why it's cool to go to games is because everyone wants to go. And as soon as you just have enough people who haven't been able to go in the last few years or kids who grew up not going, they're going to say, Oh, I don't care about that. And then it's going to become valueless to take your client there. And then the bottom's going to fall out of the whole thing. Yeah, that's probably true. I think it was at that game. Is that the one where uh, Hall and Cassian almost fought at the end? Sure was. Yeah, I was there. <laughs> yeah, I was there too. Um, yeah. And yeah, anyway, that, I went to a game there. I went to a game, uh, the two games in the playoffs that year. And that was the last time that I have been to uh, an Oilers game. It was in the spring of 2017. I was at uh, I, the last two games I paid for were both had asterisks on them because the one was for charity. That was Ethan Bear's return game, which I am glad that I went to, even though, again, I don't think it was strictly worth the money. But I bought it up at like a charity auction, and that was a fantastic game to go to, um, to see the 
the community support and how much it clearly meant to the local indigenous community to have him back. That was one of the loudest applauses I've ever seen. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And then, uh, yeah, I went to a Preds game with my mom last year because my mom asked me to go. Oh, well, that's really nice. Uh, and I'm sure you and your mom had a lovely time. We had a lovely time. She's become um, a big hockey fan. Like suddenly at like 58, she's just decided she's going to start watching hockey. She watches it all the time. Will text me complaints about the refing mid game. Um, it's kind of hilarious. That's excellent. Uh, do we have any other hockey things we want to talk about? No. No. Okay. Uh, just for those of you who are listening, our next episode, whenever that's going to be a couple weeks from now, we're going to have one of the guys uh, from who helped uh, sort of with the takeover of the Oilers rig to turn it into the oil rig. One or maybe two of them. I haven't decided yet. They're going to come on and talk a little bit about what's been happening with the site and some of the things that have been going on. Um, because if you have been reading any of the things that have been written, uh, there's a lot of stuff, which is great. Um, and they've done a lot of really good work in terms of, you know, reaching a wider audience and those kind of things. Uh, and that's all work that Avery and Alex and I were like unable to do basically. So uh, we're going to have one or two of them on to sort of talk a little bit about the direction of the sites and uh, some, you know, off season predictions and things like that. Um, I do have a question for you guys for today. Okay. Right. Okay, it's a question that comes up on Twitter every once in a while. And I know it's not about what's the worst tweet ever because that's going around right now. It's just a question that I see every once in a while and it makes me laugh every time I see it. So if you could recast any movie uh, with all Muppets except for one actor, which one would it be and why? Oh, I answered this in like a different form. I had a good one. Okay, I'll defer to Adrian or Adrian, Avery while I try to think of this. Uh, what movie? Uh I, I mean, I have, I have an answer if you don't have one. The Crying Game, but I would keep uh, Gabriel. Was it Gabriel Byrne? Was it? No. <laughs> Who's in the Crying Game? Oh, that's funny. Um, I'll look it up for you. I don't know. Oh, Stephen um, Ray. The Crying yeah, Game, but keeping Stephen Ray. That's not bad. <laughs> That'd be pretty good. Um, Avery, do you have an answer? I do, yeah. Uh, I would... I would do um, boy, Boys in the Hood and, and still keep Ice Cube as one human. Okay, oh, I like it. I've, I've changed my answer and I've got a better one. Uh, basic Instinct would keep Michael Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> You'd still get his dancing scene in the club and him uh -huh. just looking with wild lust at uh, whichever Muppet is stepping in for Sharon Obvious. Stone. Obviously, it's Miss Piggy. Miss Piggy. It, it can't be anyone else. <laughs> and there's still going to be quite a bit of Muppet on Muppet scenes, like where Michael Douglas isn't even on screen. Like, it's not like one of the good things about The Christmas Carol is Scrooge is in every scene. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas this one, I don't know, we spend a lot of time not with Michael Douglas. So uh, there would just be a lot of pure Muppetry. Yeah, that's true. Uh, mine is Fast and the Furious, and you keep Vin Diesel. Um, and I think the whole thing would be very funny. Uh, yeah, he looks pretty him. muppety. Well, I know, but you got to keep him because he's like not a great actor, and so I just think it'd be even funnier to watch him act uh, with Muppets on screen. Um, yeah, and I mean, uh, some of the ridiculous things that they do in those movies would actually be more entertaining with Muppets than they were with people. What about uh, uh, Silence of the Lambs? But you keep Jodie Foster. <laughs> Because Jodie Foster's the one you keep, right? I, well, we... yeah. Yeah, but then I feel like Hannibal Lecter isn't very scary if he's a Muppet. 
No, but it would be funnier to watch him put another Muppet's face on himself. That's true. That's true. Also, you know like what? Usual... You could make a good case for keeping Hannibal Lecter. Like keep Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. I, I'm I'm open to that option. I think you could also the usual suspects um, would be fun. Uh, except that I don't. It doesn't matter who you keep, but you can't keep Kevin Spacey. What if you kept uh, did Saving Private Ryan, but kept Matt Damon? So the whole time it's just a bunch of Muppets and then all of a sudden there's Matt Damon. Oh, that would be good. Um, yeah. I just I feel like the, it's it's a good thought experiment because like some movies I don't think would work at all, but others like you're like, yes, absolutely I would watch this movie. Um yeah, I don't know. Pacific Rim, just all of them being Muppets. Just all of them. It keep Charlie Hunnam because he's pretty, but like the rest of them, Muppets. Or, yeah, you could go the other way and uh, do, like, I'm trying to think of an example of a movie where someone makes, what's a, what's a famous cameo? <laughs> I, I'm just blanking on uh, where somebody, <laughs> like, shows up briefly, but, like, literally for five seconds. So that it's just Muppets doing the entire movie. And then just this one cameo of one person yeah. for like five I'm trying to remember like the name of Harrison Ford's first movie. I don't remember what it is, but he just plays a bellhop and he just walks into the room and says like a uh, call for Mr. So-and-so. And then he walks off yes. screen. Yes. And it could yeah, okay, just that. been a Muppets the rest of the time. Um. Also, you mentioned Harrison Ford. Obviously, another answer is any of the Indiana Jones movies. Um, oh. But just with him. With Harrison Ford and then everyone else is uh, a Muppet, I think would be very, very fun. That actually would work about as well. I, I, I think it would be just like Christmas Carol, right? I, yeah. I got another one. How about um, uh, Glad- Gladiator? Russell Crowe is only human. <laughs> or Die Hard. No. And we're keeping Bruce no. Willis. If you're going to do Gladiator, you got to do um, What's-His-Face. Joaquin Phoenix is the only human. <laughs> and everybody else is a Muppet. Ooh. I think that would be fun. See, I just, it's a good experiment. It's a good thought experiment to think about, uh, to think about Apocalypse Now. I'm just looking up Harrison Ford's filmography. Um, it's called, the movie that you're thinking of is uh, Dead Heat on a Merry-Go-Round, but he was also, he had a really small role in um, Apocalypse Now. Um, that would be another great one, uh, except Marlon Brando is the human and everyone else is a Muppet. Mm, yeah, that's good. Because he's that one would like, be really one. not in that movie that much either. Yeah, he would. That would be kind of like, kind of like the cameo, but not quite. I, no, I um, think I would keep Martin Sheen, which is maybe more obvious. But I think a Muppet could really nail the brand. Like we still use Brando's voice, but just have a Muppet act it out. Yeah, that's um, fair. One of uh, um, one of my friends used to make short films in Edmonton. I forget what they're called. Something along the lines of sexy puppets, and he would just get his friends to tell. You can find these on YouTube, and uh, they're great. Uh, maybe I'll try to remember what they're called he would just get his friends to tell true like basically sex stories that they had like hey what's a wild thing that happened to you in your dating life and then he would act it out with puppets while they narrated it and uh, it, was, it was great <laughs> that's excellent um i don't know how we haven't thought of this yet and an obvious answer uh is greece but um the only human that you keep is uh rizzo everybody else is a muppet <laughs> This is funny because they have a Muppet named Rizzo. Mm-hmm. I know, I know, but that's the, she's got to be the one. I think she has to be the one uh, that you keep as the human in there uh, and recast everybody else as a Muppet. I think that would be very fun. Hmm. I'm in. 
Anyway, this is my this is my favorite one of my favorite thought experiments. It's a good one. I ask my kids this every once in a while too when we get into film studies, and I they always get really interesting answers. Uh, and then someone always like an animated movie. I'm like, no, you guys are no, you're missing the point here. It's got to be live action, otherwise it doesn't work. Yeah. Also, uh, just if you Google "sexy puppet story," um, you will find okay my friend Simon's puppet uh, business, which I enjoyed. <laughs> Well, there you go. Um, that's all I have. I don't have any more questions. Um, but we'll be back in a couple of weeks once the Stanley Cup is wrapped up. Yes. And the Florida Panthers have uh, raised it high. I mean, I'm I'm fine. Oh, you know what? I do have one other thing to say. Uh, two things about the whole Mac Chuck phenomenon, um, which you kind of touched on. It goes way beyond him just being in Florida. The reason why Austin Matthews is not a big star and the reason why Conor McDavid is not a big star is not because they're not playing in Florida. If they were playing in Florida, I think they would be marginally more... Actually, I think Matthews would be less famous than he is right now because I know he's in Canada, but he still has an incredible media machine behind him. The reason why Matt Kachuk is blowing up... Uh, uh, what's that word? There's popping off? Is that what the kids say? Glowing up. That's mm -hmm. it. The reason why he's glowing up so much is because his personality is conducive to that. He is a mm -hmm. big, charismatic personality who's doing like big, crazy things, like not just making hockey plays. He is a uh, uh, nefarious little weasel who's like stabbing people out there and then smiling at the <laughs> camera and winking at them and then groping their wives mid-play somehow. And then he scores a really nice goal also. And uh, then giving outrageous interviews about the whole thing and sliding around on his knees. And Matthews and McDavid are not going to be doing any of that stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So, sorry. Like, charisma is a factor in this. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, like a significant factor. in this. And also, Matthews made the finals. Let's not pretend that, like, midway through first round, everyone was like, oh, well, uh, or not Matthews. I mean, Kachuk, Matt Kachuk, most famous player in the league. No, it's because he went on this incredible playoff run. And he's not the first guy to have an incredible playoff run, uh, make him way more famous than he was before or would have been otherwise. If McDavid was about to hoist the Conn Smythe Trophy or if Austin Matthews was about to lead the Leafs to their uh, first cup since 1967, they would be on the cover of magazines. It's mm -hmm. a combination of team success and personal charisma, and that matters way more than, I mean, Florida? Are we really going to pretend like Florida is one of the... NHL's marquee franchises or one of their major uh, mm -hmm. markets, they couldn't sell tickets either a couple years ago. So come off it. And uh, second of all, uh, screw Matt Kachuk. Just because he doesn't play with the Flames anymore, people are like, you know what? I think it's okay to like that guy. No, he's still in this various little weasel who stabs people mid-play and then gropes their wives from the ice somehow. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> he's, uh, he's the same character that you claim to dislike for personal reasons, and he still does all that stuff. He's just playing for a team you're neutral towards. Now you're like, you know what? I like that stuff. All right. All right. We, you've been exposed. That's what I have to say. You knew Johnny come lately. Kachuk fans. You liked him all along. That's what I say. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, no, I think, I think those, those things are fair. The personality piece is absolutely huge. Um, Cause he does have a good personality. Like he's, he he's gregarious. Give he's, interviews. He's, Yes, he's enigmatic and and enough that like he's interesting and people are like oh tell me more about this guy. Whereas like yeah. McDavid and and Matthews are are pretty guarded in the way that they present themselves, and I think that totally does make a difference. And you're right Matthews. about Florida not being a hockey hotbed because when Jay Bomister played in Florida, he loved it because he could just like wander around and no one knew who he was. 
Yeah. And Matthews at least loves getting his picture taken. Um, like he really enjoys fashion, clearly. Uh, I yeah. saw someone uh, prominent, one of the many prominent Flames fans who hangs out in um, Euler Twitter circles. Uh, wouldn't know anything about that. But uh, uh, he said something along the lines of, this is why McDavid's going to leave, because if he goes almost anywhere else, he'll explode. If anything, that's why McDavid is going to stay. I don't think he wants to be giving these interviews. I think he, I don't think he wants the Matt Kachuk experience. Like, if you think he's watching what Matt Kachuk is doing right now and thinking, that could be me, I think he's shuddering and thinking, that could be me. Um, He is a hockey-playing Terminator, and all he wants to do is play hockey. If I don't even think we're like, he's not going to do the stuff that, you know, Gretzky was doing. Like Gretzky wasn't bursting with charisma, but he was hustling whenever he wasn't playing hockey, hosting Saturday Night Live and doing commercials with Bo Jackson and all that other stuff. And I soap operas. The, exactly. I think that and Connor Pro McDavid would like to make a billion dollars, but I don't think that yeah. he wants to voice cartoon characters. No, that's, do you remember Pro Star Serial? I do. Like Gretzky doing the Pro Stars? Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. I ate many a box of Pro Stars. Mm-hmm. In my prime, made me the man I am today. And and again, that's the one thing too. There's a lot of NHL players who don't want the spotlight compared to the NBA guys, MLB, NFL. A lot of hockey players don't want that spotlight of being the guy who does the commercials, does SNL. They don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Absolutely. It's true. Yeah, like you, we're not going to see Connor McDavid become the next Travis Kelsey, right? Like that's not happening. Although that's probably a good thing because Travis Kelsey is going to do a racism someday by accident, and it's, everything's going to go terrible. Um, but oh, uh, you know it's true. Um, okay, gonna... that's all we have, I think, for this week. Sure. Okay, we will be back uh, after the Stanley Cup final has wrapped up, and like I say, the next time around, we will have some guys from the wind column uh, slash the oil rig to come and talk a little bit about some of the changes on the site and the things that they've been doing uh, to make things so much better than we could have done. uh, Mostly because there's people maintaining the site and writing, which is nice. Um, But yeah, Uh, Avery, where can we find you? You can find all of my work videos, content on Twitter as per usual, A-V-R-Y. Steven, where can we find you? Are you doing any comedy anytime soon? Uh, yeah, uh, constantly. I'm going to Grand Prairie on the 14th and, uh, hold on, let me pull up my calendar, see if there's anything good to invite you, uh, folks to, um, uh, finishing the joke on, uh, June 28th. That's a, that's a good one that I, oh, and I'm hosting the Grindstone, uh, stand-up contest on June 21st and finishing the joke is a new show that we're trying. It's going to have a weird format and we're going to try that out on, uh, at the West Empton Mall comic strip on June 28th and other like just various things. I don't know. Just go, go to the local comedy show. You'll probably have a good time. You might see me. Those um, two things yeah. will be un- uncorrelated, but <laughs> I don't think that's true. I've seen you do comedy. I think you're very funny. Um, uh, you can find me at my school until 7.30 every night uh, for the next week and a half. Um, but I'm not going to tell you what school that is, uh, so don't come looking for me. Uh, I got nothing else going on. It's just, like I said at the beginning, probably the busiest three weeks of my life right now. So, uh, yeah, uh, you can't find me anywhere. Don't look for me on the internet. Um, I don't want to be found. That's all we have for this time around. Uh, thanks for listening. I was about to encourage the people to follow you, but I won't. I just don't have anything to offer right now. I've seen you sing. That's nice.
Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's true. We don't do that. I'm not doing that uh, until like November again. So no more performances. I'll advertise the next one when it comes around. Excellent. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Sorry for the weird uh, sound bumps that I'm sure were there. I apologize. Not me. I'm glad. (laughs) All right. Bye.